0: ...in a series called The Sermon on the Mount. We're about halfway, sort of halfway, a little before halfway through with this series. Uh, And it is Jesus' longest teaching uh, in all of the Gospels, and he hits a lot of topics. He hits a lot of hard topics. The last two weeks, we went through a lot of really tough topics to talk about. Uh, And and this week, he is kind of ending his mini-sermon on the law that is in this sermon uh, because he starts out in the beginning talking about his place in the law. He is the fulfillment, fulfillment of it, not the abolishment of it. And then he begins to explain the law more deeply. This is what it means. This is how the law was supposed to be understood from the very beginning. And the, the passage uh, that we're going to read today has inspired incredible men and women throughout history. Two people I think of uh, definitely. One is Bonhoeffer. A lot of people don't know Who he is, but he was executed in Nazi Germany for standing up uh, to the Germans uh, and their hate for all the different uh, groups of people that they were executing and killing. Uh, And he was a pastor uh, in the church that would not kneel to Hitler. And uh, we see that he lost his life right before the end of the war for that. And then another person that most of us do know is Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, this is one of the passages that deeply inspired him to lead the movement that he did uh, for equality in America, that we still are sensing and feeling uh, the ripples from that movement. And so I, when we read this passage, um, I just want us to sense the kind of people that have gone before us, that the Holy Spirit has empowered through this passage to do incredible things and then how we can relate that to our life. The main principle that Jesus has been teaching through all of this is this, that righteousness is a matter of the heart. It is not A outward appearance. It is not what we want other people to perceive us to do. It's not about how we can make believe that we are good and uh, all of the things that come with that, but righteousness is about a changed heart that truly seeks and uh, follows after God. And so we're going to be reading in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48, and the topic today is retaliation and love. And so you can read with me on the screen. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So here's how each of these two scenarios that Jesus talks about plays out this week. First, uh, it seems that Jesus contradicts something in the Mosaic Law, the, the Law of Moses, Then he gives a deeper, a true explanation of that law, and he shows how that law plays out in our life. So we're going to go through each of these things like that. So the first one that he talks about, it has to do with retaliation. This is a great one. We're New Yorkers. We're all about that retaliation, right? Uh, You do something, you're going to get something. You're going to get slapped. Like Jesus was thinking about New Yorkers when he wrote, if someone slaps you, turn the other T. Because he knows that someone is about to get slapped right back if you're trying to slap me today. But Jesus says this, an eye for an eye is wrong. But what's interesting is in the Old Testament law, it literally says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So what is going on here? What is happening? Is Jesus now right after he says, I'm not abolishing the law, then beginning to contradict the law? And actually doing what he said he wasn't going to do, it doesn't make sense. Scripture is inspired by God. How is it that part of Scripture was wrong? How do we trust any of it? Well, before we get too far down that thought, it is not an error in Scripture. That's not what's happening here. And we're going to explain what is happening here. See, what happens is the Old Testament law, when it was laying down this law, what the law that Moses was laying down was a civic law. A law for the government to practice. And so Jesus is not saying here that civically we should not stand up against injustice and against evil. And a lot of people get confused with that. And so if we did think that Jesus meant that, then we would say people like Abraham Lincoln was wrong because civically he stood up as a nation against slavery which ended in the Civil War. Or we would say that the allies, what they did against Nazi Germany was wrong. We're not supposed to. We're just supposed to let this evil happen. And that is not what Jesus is saying here. See, what happened here is the Pharisees, they took a civic law and they made it a personal law. So they took something that the nation state was supposed to do to create justice. And they said, now I am personally going to do this. And so what they taught was this is a personal thing to do. And so let's go over a couple of scenarios. Here's what Jesus is saying the correct scenario is. He's saying someone, right, someone tries to rob you. This is what you do. You catch them. You make sure they don't escape. You ask them if they need water. You pray for them. You feed them if they're hungry. You know, if they're cold, give them a sweater. Take care of them. But then you call the cops. And you let the cops come and you let the cops take care of it. You know, whatever, what do they, ask, ask them, what are you robbing me for? You know, can I, can I provide some of that for you? Okay, maybe you're a little hungry, maybe you're a little cold, maybe you're in need of something. Let me take care of that. Let me just tie your hands up real quick for a second. I'm going to call 911. The cops are going to come. They're going to take care of the justice. This is the, pho- the, the, the Pharisees' scenario. This is what they do. They say, someone robs me. What happens? I take justice into my own hands. That means I'm going to rob you back. You know, now I may stab you. I may slap you. I may punch you. I'm going to do whatever is in my power to get back at you. They would seek revenge on that person. I rob them back. I start a blood feud with their family. I go extract payment from them to make this go away. And so what they did was they took something that was a civic law for justice and they made it a personal grounds for revenge. They twisted constantly the scriptures to meet their own ends. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is refuting the Pharisees' way of interpreting the law. And instead, what does Jesus say? He says, when someone wrongs you, do not take revenge. Retaliate, yes, but in a way that confounds the person. Feed them. Pray for them. Do good towards them. You know, a lot of people today, we can think of somebody that has done us wrong. Maybe we've held a grudge towards somebody or, you know, we we have a, a memory of these things. Sometimes it's hard to forget a lot of the good that's happened, but a lot of the things that people have done against us, we remember those things. We remember them. You know, you remember that time so-and-so spoke lies about you or was talking about you behind your back. You remember about that time when someone promised something to you and never came through with it. They, they said, hey, if you lend me some money, I'm going to give it back to you. And they never gave you money back. You know, we all have that tally going on in our head every time we see somebody. All right, you had $5 now, you had $11, now you had $17. Maybe we got into a heated argument and it got physical and we remember how that person disrespected us. We don't forget it. But in moments like this, Christ leaves a way to respond. And we're going to actually read in 1 Peter how Jesus responded towards people that mistreated him. So I want us to read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. And we'll read it on the screen together. Peter says this, if there's anyone that didn't deserve something bad from somebody, it was Jesus. There was no sin, no guilt found in him. And so if there was somebody that can take revenge into their own hands, we find that it is Jesus. He is the one that is most justly able to say, I did not deserve this, and for that I condemn you. But what instead does Jesus do when people spit on him, when they reviled him, when they talked bad about him? He did not threaten. He did not revile in return. Instead, he left judgment in God's hands. See, Christ was... If you know his story, you know he was tortured in the most brutal way. The Romans had a system of how they beat you, that they could beat you into a point of death, but not yet death. And they spit on him, they mocked him, they gambled for his clothes, they said, you're the son of Christ, call angels down on us right now. They, they toyed with his identity, they put a throne of, cr- of, of thorns on his head to mock his kingdom as they saw it. And then, ultimately, they nailed him to the cross and let him die one of the most gruesome deaths. And he is the son of God. He could have called down all of the angels on them. He could have called down destruction. He could have said, revenge. But what does he do? He says, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's crazy. See, a normal response is this. In Luke 9, um, I'll read that Jesus tells the disciples, go to all the towns, I want you to start preaching the good news about what has come. And then one of the towns rejects Jesus. And so two of the disciples, they see that the town has rejected Jesus and they have a very normal human response. They say this to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? See, this is a normal human response. You have rejected me. Guess what? I am going to call hellfire on you, and I'm going to consume your entire town and kill and destroy you. This is the kind of prayers that we love to pray. Someone has offended us. I pray that you go to hell. I pray that you lose your job. I pray that blah, 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 and it's just like we start cursing people. And, it, and it's, it's hysterical because two of the disciples, who are later on known for love, are first calling on deep condemnation and hellfire <laughs> on these people. It's just hysterical. But Jesus, what does he do? He rebukes them for thinking this. This is not the, fruits, the fruit that is produced by his sacrifice. And That's what we have to understand. What is produced by Jesus' sacrifice is Christ's likeness where what we just read in Peter about Jesus becomes our example of how to act in these situations. When we are accused, when we are maybe beaten, when we are robbed, when we are humiliated, what is the example that we follow? It's the one that Christ has left for us. And I'm going to give you two stories of of my life, of how I saw this play out. One is when I was... A young kid, I was in fifth grade, and my dad was trying to teach me this lesson. Uh, there was a kid in my school who, uh, he, he was a bully, but not in the physical time. He liked to talk a lot, and he did not like me. I don't know why. To this day, I couldn't figure out why. Uh, but his personal goal in life, I'm convinced of this, was to make sure that I had no friends and that all my friends were his friends. And so what he would do is every day, he would try to find somebody that I was hanging out with during recess or whatever, and he would talk bad about me and tell them lies, And you know what Justin said about you? He said that you were dumb, you know, that you, you couldn't cut it, like you were really bad at dodgeball last week, and he was making fun of you to everybody else, and, you know, when we were playing wiffle ball, you know, in the park, he was just like, he was pointing at you and laughing. Like, these are the just completely making up stuff, all just so that these people wouldn't like me. And it kept on getting back to me that this kid was doing this. And so, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, what did I do? I wanted to fight him. And so I go home, and I'm like, Dad, there's this kid. I was going to a Christian school, so I had to talk to my dad to get the okay before I fought him. (laughs) Because my dad's a pastor, and he was going to definitely get called when I beat this kid up. Uh, And I didn't want to go through that whole scenario, so I wanted to give him a courtesy warning. I was like, Dad, there's this kid. He's wiling out in school, and I'm going to have to take care of him. And my dad, he, he said, Justin, that is not how you take care of something like this. You don't take revenge. This is what you're gonna do. I'm gonna give you some money. I want you to find out the candy that he likes. Do, do you know what the candy that he likes? And I was like, yeah, he likes Snickers bars. He whenever he has extra money, that's what he buys from the stand. And he said, all right, before school tomorrow, you're gonna go to the store. You're gonna buy him a Snicker bar. When you go into school, go to him, give it to him, and just say you were thinking about him. And I was like, you must be crazy. Like, what are you talking about right now? He's like, trust me, Justin. I'm, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I want you to see what happens. All right, that is your money. It's not my money. I got my money stacked away right now. So I took his money. I went. I go buy a snicker bar, and I go into class the next day, and I give him the snicker bar. I was like, hey, man, I was thinking about you this morning when I went to the store, and I gave him the snicker bar. Let me tell you something. I... <laughs> was I had never seen such a dramatic turnaround in somebody's life before. All of a sudden, all the crap he was talking about me and other people turned into all the good things that Justin was. Oh, you know, Justin's an amazing guy. Look at how good he is at kickball right now. He's just, he's really killing it. He's always saying nice things about you. Did you know that? It was the craziest transformation I had ever seen in my life, and it was really this principle that Jesus had laid down that my dad had known, but I hadn't quite figured out yet, and still would take many years to figure it out, that we see how this plays, how does this work out in our life, and I remember the first time I had to really do this as an adult. I was 18, and I had girl issues, like, you know, most people, 18, and so there was this girl that I had really liked, uh, and I remember uh, we had a, a bit of a long distance thing going on uh, and one of my best friend uh, was always keeping me informed of what was going on because he lived where she lived. And so I, you know, I would save up money, I had a job and I'd go fly uh, out there every once in a while to hang out. And one time I went and I flew out there to hang out and it was a little weird, we were, we were hanging out, we were cool, we were talking. Uh, But I remember I was there for a week. We were hanging out the whole time. Uh, My best friend was giving me the lowdown and everything that happened, and she was hanging out with me. And right before I am leaving to get on the plane to go home, one of my other friends comes and says, hey, Justin, I just want to let you know your best friend and the girl have been talking. And they went to leadership, and they asked if they could start dating. And I was just like, oh. So let me tell you about that plane ride for a minute. If you ever thought about how to plot revenge, just go to Justin's mind for a two and a half hour plane ride that day. Oh my goodness. I mean, I, I was crying tears of hatred, anger, sadness, and revenge that whole plane ride, just thinking, how am I going to kill this guy? I got to save up enough money to take another plane ticket just to slit his throat when I get back. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> And, and the things that, like, he said and all this stuff, and, the, and this girl, I just, I just couldn't, I was, I was devastated. And so I get home, and I'm, I'm, I'm mad. And I, if you know me, I don't get really, really, really upset very easily. It's every once in a blue moon that you really get me to that place. But I'm telling you, you got me to that place. I just couldn't believe the, the amount of backstabbery that was just going on that I had just witnessed. <laughs> And so I remember just, he's in another state, she's in another state, and I'm just a sucker in New York right now, just thinking about, they're talking right now, they're talking about all the, the stupidity of me, and how they played me for the last week, and, oh, I can't take this, and so I couldn't actually enact revenge, thank God. Uh, and so I'm in my room, and I'm just like, ah, I just gotta pray, and I need to get, let go of some of this anger, you know, and and so I, I start praying, and man, I... It was one of, like, the clearest words from God that I remember to this day. And it had to be clear because there's no way in hell I was going to follow it if it wasn't (laughs) really clear. And I remember God just putting it in my heart, Justin, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to the store. You're going to buy him a card. (laughs) (laughs) I go get him a Snicker bar. (laughs) Because when you're crazy, eat a Snicker. No, I'm just kidding. I should get paid by them right now. He said, go to the store, get a card. You're going to get 50 bucks. You're going to put it in that card. And, you know, I'm 18 years old. $50 is like over five hours of work. I was making $7 an hour minimum wage back then. So that was a lot of work. You're going to put the $50 in the card. You're going to mail it to him, tell him you love him. I was like, you fool, God. What are you thinking? Send him money? I'm broke. I got no money. It's like, you got $50, though. Take the $50, put it in the card, mail him a card, and tell him you love him. And I remember the work that God had to do in my heart to make that I love you real. And I just, I prayed. I was like, God, I don't love this kid. In fact, I hate him right now. But God just said, no, it's not my way to take revenge. It is my way to bless him. And I I put it in the card, I wrote it, and I sent it to him, and he called me a couple of days later, didn't confess, nothing like that, but he just said, man, you don't know, I had no money in my bank account, I wasn't sure how I was going to eat this week, Um, and I just wanted to thank you, I really appreciate that you sent me this money, I was like, yeah, bro, no problem, I love you, hung up the phone, yeah, (laughs) took a Snickers bar. But that is how this plays out in our life, right? It's the, it's the really uncomfortable moments, right? If someone cuts you off while you're driving, you're on the train, you may think, yeah, it's time to be Jesus-like, but it's the people that are close to you when they do something that you really get to see what your character is made of, where you have to go to God and say, God, I'm going to stab this person, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit them, I'm sorry, I like talking about stabbing a lot, it's just, I grew up in Brooklyn and that's just what we did when something happened. <laughs> Most people know me. I, I, took, I carried a knife with me every day in high school, just in case. But I want to read this verse in Romans 12, verse 14 to 21. It says this, and this is, this is what Jesus is talking about. Paul says this, he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's such a great line. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Leave the vengeance to God. So Paul's saying here. God either declares judgment through the state, and when the state fails to declare judgment, there is a judgment that is coming on the last day where he will declare judgment for all. But Jesus does not stop there, and that's what I love. He doesn't just say, do not retaliate, but he says this, we are to love the person that becomes our enemy. The Pharisees taught this. That you love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, no, actually the law says love your neighbor as yourself. The Pharisees were teaching something very differently. And what Jesus says is how we treat our enemy truly reveals what Christ has done in our heart. See, the good news of Jesus is that he loved us when we were enemies towards him. Is that when we rejected him, when we said no to him, when as a human race we said, we do not want you. When even his chosen people over and over again committed adultery in their relationship with him. That went astray time after time, rejected him over and over again, even with all the miracles he did for them. Still, what did he do? He loved us. And in his love, we are grafted into his kingdom as sons and daughters. And we reveal our sonship and our daughtership in him by how we treat people who mistreat us. Jesus is saying, if if we act like everyone else, where is it that they will find Christ in us? Even the tax collectors, which were the the worst of the worst, the hated of the hated, the most deceptive kind of person. He says, even the tax collectors love those who love them and hate those who hate them. But what marks you that's different is that there has been a change in your heart where your love not only extends to the people that do good to you, but your love extends to the people that hate you, the people who have wrong in their eyes towards you, the people that maliciously come against you. And we have to understand love, because love is, is not a feeling, it's not some goosebumps that you get, it's not something that's like, oh, I really like you kind of thing. Love is actionable. Love does something with our hands that stems from our hearts. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And it never ends. When you see your enemy, how do you treat them? What is the love that you give towards them? Is it patient or is it irritable? Is it begrudgingly or is it joyfully? Is it sacrifice or is it anger? My last story for today. When I was in college, there was this lady who took over our uh, time as a club. Uh, I was in intervarsity, a Christian club, and she took over. She was the community affairs lady, and she had our club in her branch. And the first thing that she did was a power play. Said everything that you want. I don't care what you had before. You're not going to get it. So this room that you like, I don't want to give it to you. I'm going to fill out these forms in my own time. It may be for a couple of months, and maybe tomorrow I'll let you know when I do it. And I remember. I was, I was president of the club. I was just coming in. I was young. I was thinking, man, you're going to ruin everything that we planned, everything that we wanted to do. And I, I just I couldn't stand her. And so I went to Sophia, my mentor, and I said, Sophia, let's pray. So I said, okay. Sophia starts to pray with me. I said, God, I pray that this lady loses her job. <laughs> pray that she fails miserably and she gets fired. And... I pray that you would just give us everything that we want. Amen. <laughs> I remember when I was done with that prayer, Sophia looked at me and was like, Justin, have you ever considered a different type of prayer than this type of prayer? I was like, no, actually I haven't. This, is, this seems very appropriate right now. She was like, let's, let's pray something else. And I was like, okay, why don't you try praying? She said, okay. She said, God, I pray that you teach us to love this woman, that you teach us to care for her, and that you teach us to honor her. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought, well, that was a dumb prayer. <laughs> she was like, no, why don't we allow God to do that in our hearts? And so I said, okay. So I remember the exec team, we were praying, the, the leaders, and trying to think, and God started to change our heart towards her. And so I remember one time I walked into her room and I asked her, I was like, man, it seems like a lot of the clubs have been saying some negative stuff. Are you doing okay? I know this is a new job. Um, we just wanted to pray for you, see how you were doing. We had brought her some snacks and some gifts. I'm telling you, Snickers, it's the way to go if you want to <laughs> buy some people some stuff. And I just, I remember her see- seeing her touched. And you know, it wasn't, it took a few times of us coming to her. But I remember one time she broke down. She was like, man, this job is tough. The students have been really annoying. In the back of my head, I was like, your fault, lady. But okay, let's keep talking. God was still working in my heart. And... Uh, she opened up and she invited me and Stephanie to pray for her. And we prayed for her that day, and it completely changed our relationship. She became one of our biggest supporters, and she became the supporters of InterVarsity for years to come after that. And I still remember about four four or five years later seeing her walk into church and thinking, man, it's crazy, God, what you will do when we listen and believe in your word. It's just When we show Christ's likeness, that is when people truly believe to see the power of the gospel. It's because it so displays and glorifies God in our own heart that people know there is no way that just in a human, a sinful, and unrighteous, unholy person can act like this. There must be a God that has done something in his life that I want to see happen in my life. And our actions, our love, our non-vengeance, our non-retaliation should speak to the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. And so we, in turn, repay that to others. And it glorifies him in a way that nothing else can our lives. People say that is love. In this context, it was like the taxpayers and the Gentiles. They don't do that, but God's people will. And so Jesus makes this clear call. He says, instead of revenge, love. And that is a call that we who follow him get to live by. Instead of Seeking revenge, we seek love. Why don't we pray? Father, I pray that we remember your deep love for us. That even in our sin and our enmity towards you, that you still died for us. And you tell us to boldly approach the throne of grace. That we would change our hearts by your power and how we treat people around us. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to renew our minds, to change our hearts. We thank you that the power of the good news in our lives is an inward righteousness and not an outward one. Not one that we just talk about, not one that we just try to game on other people, not a front that we put on, but it is an inward change of a heart, a power that creates a new person in us. And we thank you for that renewal. We thank you for that transformation today. That we would be able to look in our enemy's eyes, that we would be able to look in the people that have done wrong to us, and that we would look on them with a heart of love, of patience, of kindness. Closer, and that we would not be people that seek revenge, but that we would be people that act.
1: May I be a pure reflection of all you. Love that is patient, love that is kind, and love that keeps no offenses or wrongs in mind. Make me like Jesus, make me like. an open space for you to come knowing Jesus, of knowing Jesus, oh, and my heart is an open space for you to come and have your Jesus, oh, we want to see things the way you do, God. So come. All you say is good Let us be open to hear Teach us love